Hi, this is Janet Fielding, and you're listening to The Sirens of Audio. Hey, Doctor Who, what are you talking about? G'day audiophiles, you are listening to the Sirens of Audio, the podcast that explores the universe of Doctor Who and the audio media. My name is Dwayne. And my name is Philip. G'day audiophiles. Hey Dwayne and hello special guest. Uh, G'day Kenny. We've got Kenny Smith joining us today. We're here to talk about the Eleven and the the Lost, the, is it the Lost Resort? I was going to say the Last Resort. No, it's the Lost Resort. resort. Welcome Kenny. G'day, how are you both? That was a very, very well, good attempt. You. Very good attempt. Try again. G'day. That's g'day. G'day, Cobber. G'day. 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 What's <laughs> talks must go on? So, <laughs> well, it's don't. Just, just don't. So, so you joined <laughs> us on the podcast earlier in the year. Um, how's, how's the year been for you? It's been about nine months since we spoke to you. So uh, what have you been up to? Oh, first of all, oh, first of all, before I talk to you about that, could I say, could I, could I come at you groveling and begging forgiveness because recently we did a podcast on some of our favorite podcasts and we omitted to include the power of three so <gasps> i beg forgiveness for that plus you've also done uh, a new podcast since then pieces of eight so you've got to tell us about pieces of eight yeah that's uh, something that has been a bit of a passion project for me i mean as last time we spoke obviously we spoke about the first mcgann season and having, when I listened back to it, I was just like, oh my God, I'm so bubbling with enthusiasm and it's brimming over because I just love the McGann audios. And one of my friends, Becca, has recently discovered The Eighth Doctor, having watched the TV movie and Night of the Doctor and got into the audios. And we were just chatting and um, it was actually thanks to my last encounter with your good selves. And we thought we could do an Eighth Doctor specific podcast. So since then, We've been doing, we've done a series, first run of 13 episodes. I thought we'd do it in seasons and that way it gives us a wee break in between so we're not up against it every week. And basically it's covering everything of the Eighth Doctor, whether it's on TV, Big Finish audios, comic strips, action figures, BBC audios, you name it. If it's got the Eighth Doctor on it, we'll pretty much go for it. And we've been lucky enough to have guests. We had Philip Siegel as our episode. 12 and 13 season finale guest and we opened season two with Yiji Cho so yeah it's it's been rather brilliant just with it's amazing people on and last week's episode well as I speak last week's episode episode two was all about earth and beyond the BBC audio that was pretty much McGann's first ever return to the part of the doctor and got him performing again so it's one that's always been special to me and I absolutely loved that last week so thank you for your kind words. I'm glad you've enjoyed it. Yeah, and I, I do apologise for not mentioning it on that podcast. <laughs> I will not. Right. I will not omit it again because it is really good. <laughs> I did listen to the. To, is it Philip Segal 
Oh, hello. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it... there we go. It's my little caption cards. Just there we go. It's, it came from Big Finish Day, and it's sort of I could sit it here, so, so I've got my name here all the time. Check it so out. I can talk over it. Very good. And I just I, I thought it's quite <laughs> I have no ego whatsoever. It's actually ironic. And if I sit in the corner there, and then no, it's not going to work. Anyway, yes, it's Philip Siegel. Is how he pronounced it. I always thought it was right. Seagal. And yeah. it's Siegel was how he pronounced it. So if he says Siegel, okay. he knows better than me. He doesn't want any association with Stephen. Stephen wow. Seagal. No, definitely not. Definitely not. And, uh, <laughs> when you said Stephen, my automatically Stephen default setting is Moffat. And just think, why would anyone want Stephen Moffat? Anyway, uh, yes, he's uh, no relation or anything whatsoever to Stephen Seagal. So what, what I thought was fascinating about his interview was that you asked him, have you heard much Big Finish? And his response was fascinating. He said, no, I, he, he acted as if he had hardly even heard of them. Mm. It was a surprising re response because I thought, given that uh, he's the eighth doctor's in inverted commas dad, mm. that he would have been pretty much you know, on top of that because it's something you could pretty much pop on and listen to. But no, he was. I was quite surprised by that, I must admit. There was a few surprising things that he said in there. Um, one of which was that he'd seen some episodes um, which were not in the BBC archives, which um, info has been passed on to the restoration team or a member of the restoration, to former restoration team who I know. So, yeah, very interesting. We'll say no more about that for now. But, um, yeah, very interesting. That's all I can say. Well, I know, Kenny, you're a man that's full of secrets and you love to tease us. Thank you for that. <laughs> I <laughs> try right. my best. So we're here to talk about a couple of releases for September from Big Finish, the first one being The Eleven. And speaking of podcasts that you do, you're now doing... Uh, in, is there a, th a third one coming up for you? Yes. Doctor Who related? Yeah, we're going to, I'm going to be... Episode 5 of Pieces of Eighth was all about the Eighth Doctor action figures with Alistair Dewar. And Al and I are working on creating a new action figure, Doctor Who action figure centric podcast, which that's an exclusive for you. We haven't told you that. We haven't told anyone that yet. So we are working on that and that will be on a semi-regular basis, not on a weekly schedule as Power of Three and Pieces of Eighth are, because that would just be too much. And I've also got my work podcast on top of that. So my head would probably explode with all the podding. <laughs> but yes, so, we've got that one planned. So you're doing, with your work podcast, you're doing four now? Yeah. I'm completely insane. <laughs> Did you get, we were speaking with Lisbeth Miles uh, last year, just before you came onto the show, and we were talking a little bit about Outlander, and uh, you got a chance through your work podcast to have a talk with Sam Hewen, did you? We did indeed. It was my colleague Rosie who spoke to yep. him, and we just started the Scottish Field podcast. That's a plug there for it. That's Scottish Field. It's not all about farming. It's actually about um, like rich if you luxury lifestyle is probably the best way to describe it and my colleague Rosie spoke with Sam and that was the episode four of the podcast and we went from 100 listens a week for the first two to about 1700 for the first for the episodes that all featured Sam in it so yes, and your demographic great, would have been about 97 percent it, <laughs> it became 97 percent women in the age groups of 40 to 55 <laughs> <laughs> there you go good old Sam yeah um, 
we we were talking with Annette Badland on on our podcast here recently too because she appeared in the first series of that show and and uh, yeah she was quite bedazzled by him as well I think he has that effect on a lot of on a lot of people so, yes my um, colleague Rosie was absolutely yeah she's completely in love with him and he's I can just he is such a nice guy everybody people I know who've met him or worked with him to say he's a genuinely nice guy very easygoing and I've never seen an episode of it I drove past the studios the other day. But I've never seen an episode. You must do. Even it's Fraser Fraser Hines is in it, so you've got to watch it just for his uh, contribution. Oh, I didn't know that, and I'd forgotten. But yes, can't be that Fraser. <laughs> um, so speaking of that particular podcast, I th I believe you interviewed Mark Bonner, the subject of today's podcast uh, for your for your work podcast recently. Uh, is that correct? That is correct. Um, Mark's somebody who's actually we've got quite pally. Because I first spoke to him when he was originally cast as the Eleven, because I'd been a fan of his work from years. I don't know if you get Casualty, the 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 medical drama show from the BBC. It's produced in Cardiff, just beside Doctor Who, and he appeared in that years ago as a very shifty character called Bruno, who was stealing from the other regulars, and he was working in the A and D department as a nurse. And while he was working there, he met the actress Lucy Gaskell, who is now his wife and they have kids and Mark and I just first time interviewed him we got on really well and we just stayed in touch and we've, he actually used to live in the town where I live um, and uh, his dad was involved in the design of it when it was first being built as a new town and we stayed very very friendly and speak quite often whenever there's, there's a new release involving the living pretty much and because the, we were doing this thing about he's in Another, another TV show called Guilt. It's the second series of that's coming up over here in the UK. And we were chatting about that. But me being me, I thought I'll try and get a wee big finish mention into my work podcast. And we had a wee chat about The Eleven. And of course, on The Eleven box set, Mark works with Lucy Gaskell, his wife, who plays The Eleven's wife, stroke companion. And I asked him about that for the Scottish Field podcast. And because you're such lovely people, here's a little excerpt from that, just for you guys, before it's even been in Scottish field. Uh, my name is Mark Bonner. And getting to work with your wife, Lucy, there on the most recent set, that must have been yeah. really fun, the fact that she gets to have a go at what you do as well. Yeah, it was brilliant fun. She was in, she got the comfy seat um, at the bottom of the garden, and I got the, I got the uh, confined space under the stairs. Um, but it was really... It was really special to be able to record together, uh, albeit you know not in the same studio together. But um, yeah, it was we sort of uh, we recorded each other down our respective headphones to have a laugh and sent each other messages and stuff. It was good. It was really good fun. We haven't worked together for a while, and it was uh, it was really nice to be able to do it again. Wow! Thanks for that, Kenny. That was incredible. Really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. That's great. It's not what you know; it's who you know, Philip. It is always. <laughs> so Philip, absolute gent. He, he sounds like it, and he's in in every second thing that I turn on the television, he's there. He's an incredibly prolific actor at the moment. Philip, when you saw the announcement for this box set, uh, what were your initial thoughts on this coming up? We've known about it for quite some time. We have. Um, I'm a huge fan of Colin Baker. I I was a huge huge fan of him on TV. But certainly, since he's come to Big Finish, he was pro has probably been my favourite Doctor for a long time. Certainly when it first started, 
Um, everything Colin was in was just gold. He never put a foot wrong in any story. They were so well written for him. So I was very excited. And the last Colin box set as well with uh, Perry was a really stunning box set. So I was pretty excited when I saw a, a Colin box set coming. And also I've loved Eleven. So since Eleven was introduced um, with that tricky little Sylvester moment when they first introduced him, which was, yeah, no one was expecting a little Sylvester cameo to introduce the Eleven. But Eleven has been one of my favourite characters that has been introduced the last couple of years with Big Finish. So I was pretty excited. I think not only the concept of the Eleven, which is obviously a Time Lord who retains all his previous Regenerations personalities in his head, so it's a bit like multiple, more than multiple personality disorder, multiple Regeneration disorder uh, that he's got. Um, it's it's made it's taken to another level with with Mark's. Uh, characterization of the role as well so i i can't well obviously you can't imagine anyone other than uh mark doing the 11 i mean there have been other actors who've come in and done other aspects of that particular character but uh it will always be the 11 to me that uh that really gets the juices flowing and it's still a character that i still find a little bit hard to wrap my head around at times too there's so many different regenerations in there although by the end of the box set I've started to get to know some of those regenerations a little bit better. We're assuming that people do actually know about the Eleven, and maybe people don't know who the Eleven is. So, Kenny, can you describe what is unique about the Eleven as a character? Yes, the Eleven is, as you said, he's a Time Lord, and he is, I believe, according to the script, I do have a note of, of what all the incarnations are, which is quite handy as a crib sheet when I'm doing bits for Vortex. He is a cold as steel gentleman, but he has his previous incarnations which break through and speak so you've got the nine who's a bit of a kleptomaniac the one who's an elderly librarian and then there's the six who wants to kill you all which is quite a tiring thing mark says to do so yes they are quite quite a fascinating character i think he's a work of genius i mean really i'm amazed that the tv series haven't tried to pick up on him because he's so brilliantly played and given that we know that the Time Lords are alive in their pocket dimension somewhere, then I would, I'm just amazed that... I mean, I think if Stephen Moffat had probably done another year or two, then I'd have, I'd have been amazed if the Eleven hadn't been borrowed to show up in TV because he is just such a phenomenal performance. And I'd love to see how Mark actually vocalises him in studio. I've never seen it, but you can imagine that he would be here and then there'd be quiet, six. And yeah, I, I just love him. I think he's such a work of... A work of genius. And I should also say that episode 11 of Pieces of Eight Series 2 will actually feature the 11. So there we go. Plug, oh, plug. Very good. So I can. it's interesting you say that because I, I would be very interested to see how Mark Bonner would actually visualise that character as well on screen. Because I hadn't really thought about that character because it's done on for audio so well when all the different voices cut in and they put that sound effect over so that you know what's happening um i can't yeah i'd be fascinated to see how it would work on screen you're right i don't understand why they haven't picked up on him either it's, it's a it's a david richardson creation isn't he i think with mm. a bit of matt thrown in he was conceived david came up with the original idea but he was fleshed out whilst walking to the Moat Studios with director Ken Bentley, which that was the basis of the character. And then he was handed over to Matt, who pretty much developed and fleshed them out. And 
you know, created character, did the crib sheet with who each of the incarnations are. And I think initially a couple of them were kept blank because they didn't feature in, in the first Doom Coalition and they've been developed and worked out as we've gone along. And he's just such a great character. He's, he's brilliant. I love him to bits. All right. Well, on that note, let's throw in a trailer for the box set for the 11 right here. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, the sixth Doctor, the 11. I was examined, but with all the care and compassion that a scientist might afford an amoeba under a microscope. Doctor, what's wrong? Eleven. What? Get back in the TARDIS, Miss Clark. My TARDIS. People of Molaroos, I suspect we are all in need of a little comedy. Here's the Doctor, a travelling space clown. Here we are. This is where we live. Well, charming. If you like, Fort Knox. Welcome to my world. What are you doing? I can't let you obstruct Miss Constance. You're staying here. Miska! You can't just get bored of a society and decide to augment it. That's genetic meddling on a hideous scale. Well, not if they agree to it. They said yes! That can't happen to us! It is happening, woman! Don't shout at me when we're about to die! Ah. I see. It has to be the truth, then. Big finish. We love stories. We open with One for All, which was written by Lizzie Hopley, and we arrive on the planet Molarus, where we discover that the people are in literally two minds. They have a waking brain and have a second personality, which is in the background, so it's allowed to rest and then comes to the forefront. And the Eleven is here, being all lovely and benevolent with his his beautiful new bride. And then the Doctor and Constance arrive. And God, it's so good to hear Constance. I love her. And the pair of them are slightly perplexed when they, all clues lead to the Eleven, which the Doctor evidently recognises when they're they're talking, when when um, when Miss Cavell, that's the, the Eleven's wife, is talking about him. And... We discover there's very much uh, the Eleven has a plan, how unsurprising, to take over the planet as he has found something rather interesting in the fact that people who have a similar condition to him but nowhere near as far as developed as the Eleven with his multiple personalities. And it's a great little piece where you've got, particularly it's great to hear Colin against the Eleven given that Colin is one of the most righteous and just doctors and who will voice his opinion. And he doesn't trust the Eleven for one minute when he's insisting that he is a reformed character and is there for the good of the world. And just, it's just the performances are fantastic. Lucy is great as Miscabel and Mark is just 
top notch as the eleven, as you would expect. You, you go in knowing that he's a villain. He's touted as the villain, but you, the way he performs it, you you almost start believing that he is the good guy. That's how good he is. He 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 puts that across so well. Well, when did this force chronologically? Is this before we get to the Doom Collision? Is this, is, this, is this early on in his life that he meets Sylvester, Sylvester locks him up? Or is this some sort of timey-wimey jump back? I think, and this is just a personal opinion, I think it is prior to uh, Doom Coalition and when he's captured by in Dark Universe by the Sixth Doctor. So I would assume just personally that it's, uh, it's before all that and sort of the Eleven was around when the Sixth Doctor, Seventh Doctor and obviously Eighth Doctor were there. I think it's quite an interesting, just mentioning that when you say there about how convincing Mark is, when you think he's trying to convince us that he is the good guy in the way that he did uh, laterally in Ravenous when he's on the TARDIS and we think, oh, he's a reformed character now that he's managed to get the nine out of his head and, oh no, he's not. But yeah, he's definitely, there's so much charm to him as well. That's, that's the thing that he's, Yes, we know that he's completely insane and evil and manipulative, but he's got so much charm to him. So if it was a rainy night out there and it was you know, bucketing down and he knocked at your door, of course you'd ask him in for a mug of tea. I'm so British. But of course, you know you would be murdered by the time he's left, but uh, yeah, that would be the Six's fault, of course. It wouldn't be him, honest. <laughs> Just did you pick up on that, Philip? He's British, okay? British, don't ever say English, okay? Yes, well, I know, I keep avoiding that as much as I can. <laughs> on our UK listeners. <laughs> I, I'm definitely, I define as Scottish, but I am British. I also wanted to pick up on the fact that Miscavell and the Eleven have an interesting dynamic. They are both misfits and outcasts. The, the Eleven comes across, not he's not just a renegade Time Lord like the Master, for instance. He is actually rejected by time lord society and that comes across uh, and it's it, it's it seems to have uh mentally damaged him that rejection uh because he certainly hasn't forgotten about it and it's something that that uh, that he and miska have in common uh which is potentially why that relationship gets going in the first place um so yeah excellent way to get into it and miranda raisin yes i love Constance, she's one of my favourite things over the last couple of years. One thing that I also thought during this, listening to this was, um, and the lost stories as well, is that I, I have missed the monthly stories. I know Philip, you are getting a bit tired of the four-part episode format, but I found a lot of, I found a lot of comfort in getting those, knowing that every month I was going to get a four-part story, Doctor Who story with with the classic Doctors, five somewhere between five and eight. Uh, the fifth and the eighth Doctor, uh, and um, yeah, I, I I have a feeling that I, while listening to this, that I that I miss those miss those times, so it sort of take me back there a little bit. Sorry, I was going to say how much I was missing Flip, um, and I, I understand why Flip, Flip can't be there at the moment. I think people know Lisa Greenwood has been unbelievably sick with long COVID, and she's still recovering. So I'm, assu I'm assuming that's why she wasn't written into the stories. But it, it is sad because her and Constance, Flip and Constance, just work so well together. You wouldn't think they would. Like, I I thought the two together wouldn't work. And yet they've just been amazing together. And the bizarre relationship that they have, where one's so proper and one's so not, 
but yet they work. So, uh, yeah, Lisa Greenwood, we're wishing you a speedy recovery because we want you back soon. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. She's brilliant. I, I absolutely love Flip. My Power of Three uh, co-host, Dave Steele, he is a huge fan of Flip. He, that's his favourite big finish companion. And um, if you want, I will send Lisa your very best wishes. I have a, I go, I can do that right now, in fact. There we go. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's the power of, of my phone. But uh, yeah, um, no, I, I think she's, she's a much missed character and wishing her a very, very speedy recovery. And hopefully we'll have her back in a recording studio or even working from home before too long. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, Lizzie, Lizzie Hopley, uh, another good script from Lizzie. She's uh, doing more and more, more writing, less acting than she used to do, um, which is, uh, which is great. Fantastic. Philip, let's go to the second story. You wanted to talk about that. Uh, you're a big fan of, a long-term fan of Nigel Fares. So, um, Murder of Oliver Akron. It's a, basically a two-hander. Um, so, once again, it's set a bit later. It's set between the Eleven um, and the political leader of the planet. And two men enter the room and you're aware that only one will leave. But the whole time you've got these two very, very powerful men using words to spar for each other and it's just beautiful dialogue this is actually the sort of work that you could actually put on stage like the whole time i was listening to it, i could see it as a stage show because you could stage it beautifully it's, it's basically one set it's all you need it's drama it's it's passion it's betrayal it's got every, every element you need for a night out at the theater that's what nigel and does isn't it it is what nigel does and, and nigel just has has a way of pacing language in a way that no one else does. He just, he, yeah, he has this pace and rhythm that he gives to his characters. And I think he really finds the 11's voice. The, the 11 is mainly the 11 in this. The other voices don't have a lot to do. Um, there's an undercurrent that they're there, but it's not coming out. But you've got a, a much different performance to, because this is just 11 by Mark Bonner, not being interrupted. So it's interesting that, as I say, this, this is probably my favorite piece in the box set. But it's also the piece which is why I'm probably most disappointed with the box set. Um, let me explain, because I was looking forward to a, a Sixth Doctor box set. And the Sixth Doctor doesn't appear in this story at all. Now, the story is utterly brilliant. I love it. I'd love to see it on stage. But the fact that the Sixth Doctor is not there actually made me realise this isn't really a Sixth Doctor box set. This is an 11 box set in which the Sixth Doctor features. And so it was, it was, it was both bittersweet for me because we've got this amazing work from Mark, we've got this amazing script, a story that I just was enthralled by the whole time and so captivated in just listening to this story progress and wondering how, was kind of knowing how it was going to end, but still being surprised by how it ended. There was some lovely twists at the end, which I hadn't seen coming, which duh, yeah, should have done, but I didn't. It's all good crime writing, works that way. But once again, so in terms of the whole box set, I wanted more Colin. But in terms of this actual story, it's it's a highlight. So that's me being having my look. That's my two minds. I could grow up on this planet because I'm two minded as well. What do other yeah. people think of it, Kenny? I loved it. I'm like yourself. I'm a huge fan of Nigel Fares. I think that his work for Big Finish over the years has been criminally underrated by so many. When he was guiding the Tomorrow People, very very clever. Brought in a lot of uh, you know, psychological, real life human emotions which 
I think Nicholas Young wasn't expecting when he was doing Sapphire and Steel, another great range and brought a lot of heart and just clever, clever writing to it. And if you've listened to his companion Chronicles for Leela, he's a good, close friend of Louise Jameson, they are just very, they're, they're lyrical, they're poetic at times. And like I said, this this one, is, I was so looking forward to it when I saw it was announced. I was initially surprised, like yourself, when I learned that there was no Sixth Doctor in it. And but I actually thought this gives the Eleven a real chance to shine on his own. And my God, he does. The fact that you've got pretty much straightforward Mark Bonner going to town with this. It's just such a clever, clever idea. And we don't know who's done the killing. And just the, obviously, I'm not going to reveal the twist at the end because that would just be cruel. But I never saw that coming. I would have thought, I just would never, ever have thought that would be the case. But it just proves that we've all got something in us somewhere. Without, I'm trying to be very careful not to spoil what I said there. But uh, yeah, I, I think it, it's a wonderful, wonderful piece of work. And as you said, it would have been a great stage play or you know, a simple you know, afternoon play for today sort of thing. You could just really simple set. You wouldn't need too much. A wee bit of flashbacks and the odd bit here and there with Miss Cabell. But oh, yeah, I, I just loved this one. I was in heaven. What about yourself, Dwayne? How did you find it? Uh, I'm equally impressed uh, with you guys. I disagree in a way. I, I, I felt the presence. I, I don't know why I felt the presence of the Sixth Doctor throughout this um, whole box set. So just to have a little break in the middle didn't really affect it for me. It's not the first time a box set has been released with the Doctor Who logo on it that has actually had a different title character like with Bernice Summerfield, The New Adventures of... Doctor Who um, are all about Bernice Summerfield, aren't they? Um, rather than Doctor Who, but so it's not the first time it's 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 been done. The only the only slight criticism, which doesn't detract from the story, but it just niggled me only ever slightly, was that the 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 two female characters in there. Lucy was obviously one of them. I can't remember the the actress who played the other character. They sounded so alike that I could I found it difficult to differentiate them uh, when they were talking to each other. I thought because oh, they're talking about cloning too, so I'm thinking, oh, is this the same person? But no. So they were two different actors, and I found that a little bit difficult to uh, to to listen to. But apart from that, absolutely fantastic story. I just think it's it's so cleverly done because. Knowing the eleven, when you think, when once you know what the play is about, and then you realise that's exactly what he was doing all the time. He was building up to that so he can get his way. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I think Nigel should do more for the eleven, and I'd love to hear him tackle some of the other characters that are in there, particularly the six, given that he seems to be the shouty, angry, murdery one. And I would love to hear how he would do something with him. Who knows? Maybe one day we will. I was thinking the six needs to go to Torchwood. I don't think the six can really appear in Doctor Who, but I think the six would appear very well in Torchwood. Yeah, I think Robert Carlyle has got to play the six. He's got that sort of Begbie from Trainspotting turned up by a hundred and then fed copious amounts of Valium and coffee and sugar. And I just think he would be a fantastic the six. He's a big name. Be good though. <laughs> I can but dream. I actually and it, I'm sure 
Big Finish made a financial decision, partly in terms of being Doctor Who. I actually think a different Doctor for the first part, rather than Colin Baker. Um, so there would have been an 11 box set with maybe two different Doctors with story one and story three. As I said, for, for me, yeah, I, I love my Colin and I wanted a whole Colin box set. And really the Nicola Bryant one, the Perry box that they did, was it last year? That was sensational. Like that's, that was some of the best stories we've seen Colin do for a long, long time. So yeah, so in terms of, and I'm loving the 11, don't get me wrong, but I just, you know, I wanted more six, 60, but I also didn't want to lose any what, what we had with the 11. So yeah, in respect, I would have had a different Doctor play in the first part. I'm saying that because I wanted Constance in the third part because that was spectacular. You going to talk about that? Dwayne? That's what I wanted to mention. Um, it's for, for me, in Elevation by Chris Chapman, he's always a, a delivers a great script, does Chris Chapman. And this one is no exception. The the Doctor, Six Doctor and Constance are, have returned to the planet with uh, the Eleven and Miska in charge. And they are almost worshipped by the populace because they, they're so impressed with the, with the Eleven having all these different personalities. Uh, and they and the rest of the population only only having two um but it gave it sort of reminded me in in some ways of uh what was the last day of a tenant story called what was that called of end of time end of time where the where the master tries to convert the world into himself well that this works better than that uh similar kind of idea but this is done in a in a much better way and when he tries to convert the population into multiple personality people it gives for everyone on the planet who isn't a time lord so it doesn't work on the doctor but it does work start working on constance and so miranda uh, raisin here gives an absolutely magnificent performance uh, with her multiple personalities and shows that she's just got the exact uh, same quality acting chops as Mark Bonner uh, when it comes to all these different personalities that she's got to bring out, even conversing with herself, just like Mark Bonner does. Um, and uh, this was this was the highlight of the episode for me. It was Constance uh, for this one. But overall, great story too. What about you fellas? I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I never even got the gag in the fact there's a pun in there with elevation the fact there was a living in there. And I just thought it was being, as in being something was going to be lifted. I did not think that, that would be the process where the 11 would be imbibing himself into everybody else's mind. I thought it was very cleverly done. I'd say great performances. Miranda was great, particularly when you're bringing out the slightly more common aspects of the character that are buried deep in there and having those conversations with herself. And I think she must have had so much fun in studio doing that. When she's so used to playing prim and proper constants and then finding all these different facets of the character. But it's just such a brilliant idea. And the fact that there's the moment when um, Lucy, not Lucy, Miska realizes that there's an extra personality in there. There's a, she thinks she's only got 10, but then the 11 points out there's one more in there. And just think, yeah, that is just so manipulative. That is so 11. And it made me laugh. I'm not going to deny it. It was this, yeah. He's such a brilliant creation, devious in a way that the master isn't. He's not restricted by the master's ego or over-the-top pantomime villainy in some incarnations of the master. And I I was just, I loved it. I didn't want it to end. I, I actually really thought this could have been a two-parter because I just was enjoying it so much. And I think that in Chris Chapman, you've found somebody 
who's an absolutely perfect fit for Colin's doctor in a way that Justin Richards also does as well. He's written a lot for the Sixth Doctor, hasn't he? He has, particularly latterly in the, the monthly range. I think he he did... Did Plight of the Pimpernel and Scorched Earth last year. That was a big standout yep. for us, Scorched Earth. So, um, yeah, so he was responsible for our our missing the character of Flip too because he wrote those, those two so well, Constance and Flip. Um, yeah, so, yeah, really, really good job. Philip? I mean, for me, the standout was Miranda Raisin's performance. She was just, you know, the consummate actress. And it was not, bits were very funny in terms of, you know, she's, it's the difference to her and the Eleven. So the Eleven is, is 11 different people all inhabiting, inhabiting the same space. Whereas it was 11 different sorts of personalities coming out in the other characters. And for the human, particularly, because all the, it's beautiful world building. So over the three episodes, we have one, we're all in one location over a bit of time. But it's a beautiful world building of these people who have a dominant brain and a quiet, well, dominant personality, quiet personality, the, the two brains. Um, but when Constance, who's the, who's the one brain, arrives, then she starts inhibiting all these extra personality traits that come out. Bits of it are very funny, but there's also some sadness in terms of as she views her life and who she could have been. And there's some conversations there which are actually quite poignant. So yeah, I was really impressed by by a lot of what they did with her, which was which was strong. But as I said, just just to see the world building over three episodes, um, I'm not so sad to lose the four parters. Um, the two, Dwayne uh, uh, and I have talked about the fact that I actually think that Big Fish have really worked out how to do the 55, 50 minute story perfectly in terms of action. And I did want more of this story, but the fact that I didn't get more, I think, is why it worked so well. Because I think often with the four parters, it just drags a bit now. And you know, Doctor Who, when it was 25 minutes and a week between, that worked. But I do think a lot of the four parters really struggle with having enough stories to make it worthwhile. Whereas those punchy one, you know, one episode, one disc stories, to me, still work better. And, and in this one, those you know, three punchy stories really worked because you know you knew they were contained, they built a world, yeah. It, 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 uh, mixed feelings, as I said. I really wanted a Colin box set. I don't feel we got a Colin box set, but what we got was great. Okay. Any final thoughts uh, on this set from you, Kenny? I think that what Big Finish should be doing, and this is just completely my own thought, I would like to have more of the Eleven with other Doctors. I quite like the idea of some more with McCoy because I thought they had a great energy in Dark Universe. There was a, a real dynamic, and I don't know if it's the fact that you're both are Scottish actors. There's something about Scottish actors going up against each other as Time Lords. When you look at Peter Capaldi and Michelle Gomez as the Doctor and Missy, there's something quite special about that. There's almost that, because they're both from Glasgow, there's that sort of, there's a different kind of energy and dynamic to them because traditionally people in Glasgow are more inclined to headbutt you than anything else when they first meet you. Good job you're several thousand miles away, gents. And <laughs> I think there's a similar kind of energy between the McCoy, that McCoy and Mark Bonner had. And the fact that they know each other of old is also interesting because Mark and Sophie Aldred are pals. So yes, I would love some more to live in. And obviously we know that there's more Colin on the way next year. All right, so let's move on to the next story that we're going to consider and that's the lost resort and other stories 
It's a Fifth Doctor collection. So let's throw in a trailer for that right here. So, where to now, Doctor? Somewhere restful. I think we could all do with a break. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, The Lost Resort, and other stories. I'd say we're standing under a lake. Or a lagoon, from the smell of it. Water? But it's floating in the air. Gravitational fluctuations in the atmosphere, Tegan. Not all planets are so dull as to keep their water at ground level. Death is an unwanted companion. You also know of grief. When you're my age, my dear, grief is stitched into living. It just depends how you wear it. Oh! No! No! There's no such thing as ghosts. Oh, Doctor. You're quite, quite wrong about that. My name's Nellie Bly. I am going to beat the world record set by Phileas Fogg, who traveled the world in 80 days. We're going to reach San Francisco soon, and all will be lost. Even the passengers will notice if I turn the ship around. There must be something you can do. Lower the sea anchor. Then Nellie Bly really will have something to complain about. I need someone to get me to my final destination. Not his greatest strength, to be honest. You are the Doctor. You are an enemy of the Daleks. You will be exterminated. Right, yes. Should have expected that. But before you do, ask yourselves, what is the greatest enemy of the Daleks doing here? They killed a man. A father. That's what Daleks do. What? How can you say that? Get away from her, you man! No! Back! Come on, this way! Doctor! No time to argue! Quickly! You will not escape! Big Finish. We love stories. I've said so many goodbyes over the years, they never get any easier. Okay, so this is actually the first story in this box is. And I'm not sure about the other two stories, but at, at least this first one was su originally supposed to be a monthly, wasn't it, Kenny? Yes, that's right. These were both part, both, well, I suppose you'd say both, because originally these were two monthly range releases. But due to circumstances, they had to, just with the pandemic arriving, things had to change. And these were, these had to drop off the schedule in the short term. But thankfully, they've now been released and we've got three rather fantastic little stories in there. So the first one, The Lost Resort by A.K. Benedict, it uh, continues on the story. Uh, for those who haven't heard the story arc featuring the Fifth Doctor with Mark, Mark is a character who uh, joined the TARDIS crew in a story called Tartarus, which was a really, really good story. Uh, it was a crossover story with Cicero. So if, you, if you've heard the Cicero stories as well, which is part of the Big Finish uh, Originals range. Um, and if you haven't heard them, go and listen to them because the Cicero yeah, stories. Yeah, if you hard. haven't heard them, how dare you? Um, <laughs> <clears throat> you? You need to go on. Cicero is fantastic. And I still haven't had a chance to listen to Cicero too. I can't believe it, <gasps> Philip. They're, they're Roman law dramas. Hard to believe. But they're set in ancient Roman times and they're law thrillers. Sit in ancient Rome. They, brilliant. Yeah, I was actually at theatre the other night watching Chicago. Life theatre has returned to the west of Scotland. And, of course, during Chicago, there's uh, 
Cicero as one of the things that were mentioned. And I was automatically thinking, ah, lawyer, gentleman lawyer, not thinking in terms of the place that where the murder was committed. But then again, he had it coming, but he only had himself to blame. Sorry. <laughs> so Mark is a contemporary of Cicero and uh, he joins the TARDIS crew not long after Adric died. So there's still a lot of fallout going on from that particular television period. So all these stories are taking place between Earthshock and Time Flight. So uh, we... I, I can spoil it a bit because the story's been out for a while, but ultimately the character Mark is semi-converted into a Cyberman. So that uh, brings up a lot of issues for all the crew, especially the Fifth Doctor. Uh, there is a period in the, in the Fifth Doctor releases where he goes off on his own for a while. The companions have some, a couple of adventures on their own as well. Now they've come back together. They've, they've been sort of, there's been a bit of, a bit of friction between them and they're sort of just coming to, uh, to, to resolve that now. And we we find ourselves at this story, the lost resort, and the 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 feelings that the fifth doctor has regarding his loss of Adric are still still seem very very fresh uh, in his mind. Um, and this, um, do you want to tell us a bit more about uh, your the the story, Philip? Well, I don't think too much about the story. Don't spoil it. But basically, they end up on a planet, which is an unusual planetoid. It has a few special qualities. And one of the qualities it has is it enables, basically, to say the dead to come back. And so it's possible to actually commune and meet with people who have already passed on. And I don't want to say too much because there's some plot things in there, which I don't, don't want to spoil for you. But, but as part of that, Adric appears. And Adric is actually there. And it's not just... An apparition is, is not just a memory thing. Adric is, is actually there, but it actually allows the Doctor and Adric in particular to do business together. And I think, to me, that was the powerful thing. As I've said already, I, I've become a much stronger believer in just the hour format for story. And I think there was stuff in this, which was, I enjoyed the I enjoyed all four parts. It was very enjoyable, they, but there's stuff in there that you could have just taken out and it wouldn't have mattered. Because to me, the whole the whole thing was just heading for that last part. And how do you deal with grief? How do you deal with loss and sacrifice? And it's, Adric gets a chance to be, in some ways, more noble than he ever got to be in a TV show. It's actually a beautiful way of dealing with the character. And I was very emotional and got very choked up about it because there's some very strong and powerful stuff that they've done. And it's, it's where the show never went because the show never dealt with emotions. The show never dealt with consequences and this this story deals with consequences in a very strong beautiful way unsurprisingly written by a woman uh one of the, the great things that we're seeing being finished doing is adding more and more women into their writers list and they do bring a different dynamic um i'm not saying it's better or worse it's just a different dynamic and in so certain in terms of this story there's a, there's a lot of emotion and dealing with people and grief and relationships which I think is told better because it was told by a woman. Because I think women are more honest and open with emotion. And in some ways, it's the doctor doesn't the doctor doesn't deal with that at all. And so he, he's the typical man. But it was interesting the story was actually forcing out a different sort of level in terms of how you deal with that. I don't know what other people think. Kenny? I really enjoyed it. I think Alexandra is uh, part AK. 
Um, she's a great writer. I think she's got a lot of heart. Um, and the fact that she is sort of, I think, that, I don't know if she's recently suffered a bereavement in her own family or life, but it felt like there was a lot of that sort of being brought in there. And I think it was beautifully done. The fact that it's, Andrik returns and it doesn't feel gratuitous. It feels very much that's what would happen on that world. There's a lot of interesting characters as well. I think there's a fascinating character in The Viscount who always refers to himself as The Viscount in the third person and he does get pulled up for it. But I think that's it's a, bit, a little bit of comedy in there which made me laugh regularly as there used to be a, a footballer or soccer player over here who would always refer to himself as Lorenzo, rather than saying, I think it's a good idea. He's like, oh, Lorenzo thinks it's a good idea. And uh, it was quite quite entertaining. So it reminded me of him. But I think it was, uh, I think it was, I quite enjoyed the pacing of it. I quite thought it was, the cliffhangers felt right. I felt they were built up in the, the right way. And when it came to the end with the Doctor's last scene with Adric, the way he talked about it to Nissa and Tegan and Mark afterwards, was really nicely done. I think Mark has been great character in there. At first, I thought, wow, bringing in a new companion so soon after Andrew's gone, but Scott Hancock is a very, very clever man and he knew exactly what he was doing. And I had absolutely, I think within the first few minutes of hearing Tartarus and where everything goes after that, yeah, it's a really natural fit. And the fact that he gets on so well with the others is good. The fact there's less tension and he very... He's very adaptable. You can see how quickly he's taken to all this time travel malarkey, taking it all in a stride in a way that I can't imagine that Katerina would have. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good listen. As you say, it, there were very emotional moments at times and it's something the Doctor does not, or, or did not do at that time in his fifth incarnation was emotion. He, he, probably the fact that he is a semi-converted Cyberman might have something to do with the fact that he can accept things a bit better as well. That's true. That's very true. Perhaps. Um, but there, there, is a, there is a very drawn-out explanation about what a train is in the second episode, which I thought demonstrates why ancient characters really don't work well. But, yeah, it was, it was, it was amusing, but they, they, there was a whole explanation about this is a train and what a train does. Apart from Jamie. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Jamie was, isn't 2,000 years ago, though. He's only, well, I guess 400, isn't he? Yeah, I I tended to feel that too about AK Benedict that there had been either there had been some kind of direct personal experience about some of the things that she was writing about or she is one of the world's greatest empaths because she was writing it that well. I tell you what, I at the end I was blubbing like a baby. I listened to that today. I think my eyes are still bleary from that. Oh. I thought it was I thought it was lovely. It was fantastic. And I I can't remember if it was in... I read the Vortex articles from last month again, too. I can't remember if it was there. But someone said somewhere, might have been Scott, that this is what Time Flight should have been uh, instead of the little brief cameo that they, that they had with Adric because he was still under contract at the time. Well, this is the kind of thing they could have done and, and, and should have. And it's, it's great that they were able to do this with this one. So, well, I was doing a little bit of chatting with Alexandra about why she wrote it, and you've got something to read, I think, Brian. What yeah, Alexandra let, said let, about why she wrote it. Yeah, we were, we were trying to get her on to have a chat with us today, but she was tied up. But we will get her on down the track. But just for for 
the purpose of this story. She said, The Lost Resort centres around my love for Adric. I fell for him when I was three. Uh, she's very young. And his death devastated me. I think it still haunts me. I've long wanted to write about the emotional fallout on The Doctor. When Scott said I could write for him, the story came quite quickly. It's inspired by a few other favourites of mine, The Shining, Death in Venice, and Don't Look Now. There are quite a few Easter eggs that I threw in based on those. I loved writing it. I even cried at a couple of points, so I think it was cathartic for me, and hopefully for the Doctor and his Tahatis team. And uh, for, oh, for me too, if she's trying to make you cry, well, it worked on me, that's for sure. So I think it's interesting that she was thrown in Easter eggs based on The Shining. So I, I'd read this, I'd read that quote and I hadn't listened to it all. So I was listening to the rest of it today with, with the. I don't know those other uh, films or works, but The Shining, <laughs> The Shining was very heavily in my mind. And yes, I could definitely pick up on those elements that she'd uh, that she'd put in there. So that anything think, else? Um, I was just going to say, um, death. Venice is interesting. I mean, it's, if, if, you want, if you want one of the most painful experiences in life possible, go to the opera and listen to Benjamin Britten's performance of Death in Venice and you'll wish you were dead. <laughs> um, <laughs> so for those, for those Benjamin Britten fans out there, not me. Um, <laughs> I love the opera, but Benjamin Britten and that story. But it's a, it's a very bleak story in so many ways. Um, but I was amused. It's, about, it's about an old man dealing with his, his impending death and loving beauty, and there's other things in there too, which we won't talk about. What do, do people? Um, we were talking about. I still remember Adric being killed. Um, I, I guess I don't know how it would have been. I would have been eleven or twelve, and it was just the worst thing ever. Because I actually, you know, Adric. People complain about it now. I look back now and certainly see things that you know I'm not so fond of as an adult. But as a kid and a young boy, it was great having a boy on the TARDIS, and he was adventurous and a bit silly, and Back then, of course, I had no idea what was coming. And I still remember loving Earthshock, the first episode, being terrified by. But that fourth episode, and it just ended, and there's no music, and there's just a star. I remember sitting there, jaw open. Um, and back then, I used to move the, the lounge chair directly in front of the TV. My parents used to get annoyed with me, but the, the Doctor Who was me directly on the TV. And I just sat there, stock still, and I remember, still remember my mother walking and saying, what's the matter? Because I just sat there. What are you guys remember the death of Edric? Well, I was eight when your shot went out. And I remember the, the, the main thing, this is sound ridiculous, was that um, after the, when the final credits were rolling, my sister and I thought that the TV had broken because there was no sound and there was no end theme. And that was my main thing at the time. But I mean, I'd quite like Adric at that time. And... When I was younger, so I say it's like a, a dark-haired boy in the TARDIS. I used to have dark hair, lots of it, and not now. And uh, so I quite liked him there. But then years later, when I joined the Glasgow Doctor Who group in you know, 1990, Earthshock was on, and because they used to show a video, because obviously they weren't commercially available in those days, and Earthshock was on. And then it came to episode four, and Andrew got blown up, and everybody cheered in arms, thinking, what the hell have I landed myself in? And, uh, well, I'm still a Doctor Who fan involved with fandom these days, so it kind of been that bad. But, yeah, it was uh, it made me laugh uh, thinking about it now and stuff. Yay! Well, I didn't watch the original run in Australia when it was screened, but I don't know if you remember, Philip, that they 
in the mid-80s, they were repeating Tom Baker right through. They got into Peter Davison. They got up to Black Orchid. No, they didn't get up to Black Orchid. They got up to The Visitation. And then they skipped to Warriors of the Deep. So they missed all those stories in between. And I was looking forward to seeing Earthshock. I'd heard all about it. And I didn't see it for years after that. Uh, I don't think it, it. I don't think it was repeated on the ABC again until about the early '90s, I think. Um, and the first time I saw it was at uh, Whovention. Do you remember the Whovention with Nick Courtney in Sydney? That was nineteen. That was 1990, I think, and that's where yep. I saw Earthshock for the first time. So I saw it in a in a room full of uh, of fellow fans, and I don't remember the reaction you heard from from your group of fans, Kenny, but. Yeah, it was it was a pretty thrilling thing to see for the first time that episode, but also quite shocking as well because we always we always assumed as fans that that was the that was the only companion's death uh, in Doctor Who until we go back and realise that there were two deaths in Dalek's Master Plan. Yeah, they don't count. Well, they oh, I disagree <laughs> with you. We can debate that another on another podcast, <laughs> Kenny. When you start up your other podcast, we'll come on that one. Excellent. The great debates. <laughs> yeah, so, five. But overall, I think it's a it's a great send off for for Adric and Matthew Waterhouse. I've I've enjoyed him bringing Adric back to life for Big Finish. There, I remember when the first box set came out that he appeared in. I think the story was called Iterations of I. I think he was. No, no, no. It was Psychodrome, wasn't it? That was the first story, Psychodrome, uh, and. That I think he was finding his feet a little bit in Psychodrome, but then iterations of I, he'd he'd landed, and he's been fantastic ever since. And I've just really enjoyed everything that Matthew Waterhouse has been in. I'm really looking forward to the watches coming out. I think that's in January, isn't it? So that's he's he's doing that reading, isn't he, Kenny? Yes, he is uh, reading that uh, with Nick Briggs popping up as a Dalek. So yep. yeah, Adric versus Daleks. That sounds quite interesting. Very good. So the second story in this set is called The Perils of Nellie Bly uh, by Sarah Ward. And I don't know if you recall, Philip, a few months ago when we were talking about The Lone Centurion, I was raving about Sarah Ward's episode in that. And I was saying, there is a name to watch. And in this story, um, it <laughs> there's some really heavy stuff in the surrounding stories, but this one stood out to me as one that I possibly enjoyed the most out of the box set i love pure historicals this is another pure historical as a character i wasn't really familiar with i'd vaguely heard about um nelly bly and that experience of pretending to be insane going to the asylum but i knew nothing i think janet fielding in the extras makes mention of the fact that she heard about that too and never knew about the around the world in 80 days i thought it was all i thought all that was just made up and then i realized this was all factual stuff and i thought it was just brilliant from start to finish i adored this story sarah ward bring her back i want much more from her kenny yes i absolutely love this one i normally when i get up in the morning i go for a wee walk for about half an hour and then wake up my daughter and then after she's gone to school go for another wee stroll and i actually would normally listen to the episodes one during each walk but i actually enjoyed this so much i kept it on after I'd woken up Katie and was pottering around in the house. I think it's fantastic. It's got such a bouncy, fun energy to it. You've got some fantastic casting and it's just a, it's such a great story. And it's genuinely, I think after we've, we've had quite a heavy 
a heavy story in The Lost Resort to go to something that's a lot more fun. I mean, think of it in many ways, because we know that obviously Mark departs in Nightmare of the Daleks. It is in some ways a black orchid to Nightmare of the Daleks as Earthshock. And it's just, it's a lot more fun. It's got a lot of silliness to it. There's some great moments like Tegan swapping clothes and being mistaken for Nelly. In fact, Nelly's obviously got a bit of an ego to her as well as she's going around and wants people to see her and to recognise her. And as a journalist, I've always been of the opinion that you should be reporting the story and not making the news yourself. See that one, Piers Morgan. And uh, yeah, I've quite, I have to say, I loved it. I think it was just such fun. Everybody gets something entertaining to do. It's very visual, particularly when you've got Tegan finding herself at the top of the ship and Mark's got to try out and go up and get her and sing, oh, the pole's been greased and things like that. And I just loved it. I think it's so much fun and just so a really good feel-good story. And it's one that I know that I could pop on more than happily if I'd get an hour to kill. And it's a great way to spend that time. I think great casting, great writing. Sarah's just done a fantastic job in the script with a character who I, to my shame, had never heard of. I hadn't even heard of her of her, of her stuff about the asylum and conditions and things like that. So, yes, I have actually gone and Googled and read a lot more about her since then. So, yes, loved it. And that's Doctor Who fulfilling its educational remit as I had to go and find out more about her. So, yes, well done, Sydney Newman. You did get it right. Oh, it happened lots with me. Uh, it happened to me with the Peterloo Massacre as well, which is a historical that they'd done that they had forgotten about in the extras. I thought this was the only one that they'd done, but the Peterloo Massacre was another one. And, um, yeah, I love I love finding out these little factoids that I never knew before. And oftentimes the the writers have only just heard these stories in passing too, and they go and research them before writing the story. Um, and, and then it, it comes out like this. What were your thoughts on this one, Philip? Well, I didn't know who Nelly Bly was. Uh, I have taught a unit on democracy several times, and one of the units I teach is women who brought women of democracy. And Nellie Bly is one of the women characters I actually focus on. Uh, it's an American example of a, a woman who actually helped bring the vote to America uh, because she was actually a fairly crucial figure in terms of uh, raising awareness of what women could do and helping to bring the suffragette movement to America. It didn't happen in her time, but she was quite pivotal in that sort of movement. Uh, so I love this. It, what, I, what I've enjoyed about actually all three stories is that they all have a modern television feel to them, but they're nothing that the tele modern show that the show could do. So the, the, the first, The Lost Resort, had this feel of modern Hulu because of the emotion involved, but the original Peter Davison show would never do something based on with so much emotion and dealing so much self-reflection. This one, once again, has a it's it's got the Black Orchid feel to it, definitely, in terms of it's a historical, but it's got the modern feel because we've actually got a real historical character being a pivotal point around the story. But where the, the modern show would never do this because there's no sci-fi element, there's no alien, there's no nothing. It purely is a bunch of people having a bunch of fun. It's such a and, shame. Yeah. And I sort of think the, the new show has brought in a number of great historical characters, but they always blend it with something else. Having this, having this show where there's no blend, it's just purely people being people, being slightly corrupt, slightly dishonest, slightly... Um, competitive uh, and just watching the companions and once again you get these different companions and different, it gives the companions something to do because the, the Doctor's used to humans 
Tegan relates really well to what's going on here. Nissa, she's bemused by the whole thing in terms of her truck and background and why would people behave like this and why does this matter? And then Mark brings in his perspective too. So I think just seeing those different perspectives on what's going on in human life is amusing. And I think that was, that's what kept me engaged. And once again, I love this one-hour format. You know, there's there's no, no gaps, no padding. It's all, you know, this scene to this scene to this scene and it wraps up and we all smile. Loved it. Brain? I love the way it wasn't in one location either. So it was set on the liner, then you got to San Francisco, then it was on a train and it was called The Perils Of. So you had the, you know, um, Rob Harvey's music was, uh, you know, touching on Perils of Pauline type uh, piano playing in the background. And uh, as a matter of fact, I should mention Rob Harvey uh, for his score throughout all three of these episodes, particularly the the first one. Yeah. Uh, just absolutely brilliant. He's done a fantastic job. So uh, can't forget to mention Rob. Um, the 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 one if it was if there was one thing that stood out to me that niggled me a little bit. It was it there was a, an element of current politics put into um, uh, put into Nelly uh, that potentially wouldn't have been there. Uh, in that she was saying that. She was, there was a couple of lines there where she was saying, I want to prove not that I'm equal to them. I want to prove that I'm better than men. Um, and I just feel that there, there, there could have been more of an emphasis on her struggle because she did so much stuff and she struggled so hard to get where she where she was. There could have been more emphasis on that rather than uh, this, this, this idea of competition because at the time, there actually wouldn't have been any. Oh, Philip, you're going to disagree. You know what? I think that's a shit. I think that's a quote. I think that's a direct quote that she said. Um, oh, really? I, I, need to double, I need to double check that out, but I'm pretty sure that's actually a quote of hers, which is, her quote was, one of the things she declared was, she didn't want to be equal to men, she wanted to be better than them. And I think you'll actually find that's a, a quote of the character, of the actual person. Well ahead of her time then. When I was when I was researching her and all the things that she did, well, that doesn't surprise me if that was a true quote, but it, it, it struck me as being something that was, a current political idea that was inserted. Uh, but if I'm wrong, no worries. I don't mind if I'm wrong. A, a, a lot of the feminist movement came from that sort of her and her attitudes and women like her. So I think, I think you'll actually find that that, that actually was actually fair to, fair to the person. Okay, Philip, I've been officially told. All right, shall we move on to the next story? Yes, which I, 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 I haven't finished. So I don't know what happens in the last 15 minutes, so don't tell me. Oh, okay. Oh. I didn't get to the very end. We don't, we, we <laughs> I don't, managed we, to get it all listened to with my walks. Uh, okay, we don't want to spoil it. Um, I, I've been bemoaning uh, being in lockdown. Most of my, a lot of my listening is driving my kids to activities, and we have no activities and nowhere to drive, and we can't travel more than five kilometers from our home. And so <sighs> I've, I've lost all my <laughs> listening time. So I'm going to make it. So yeah. yes, but we weren't going to spoil the end anyway, were we? No, 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 not this one. No. Yet. <laughs> so so nightmare of the daleks uh written by martin waits now that's a name that i'm not overly familiar with kenny has he done much else he's done a few other big finished bits and bobs he's mainly i think he did uh, one of the previous ones in the fifth doctor arc uh with mark okay uh, the mark arc if you prefer uh yes martin's uh, previous done something and i i really really enjoyed Nightmare of the Daleks. Slightly different take on it. Think of um, 
think of the green crabs from last Christmas and you're sort of in the sort of a similar kind of area. Uh, yes, he also wrote um, for Interstitial and Feast of Fear. Yes, uh, he wrote Feast of Fear. I really enjoyed this. I thought it was, again, a different take in the Daleks. And you think how many Dalek stories there are and how many different ways can there be for them to take over the universe or destroy a world? And incredibly, people keep finding new ways and new things to do with them. And I particularly enjoy this here. The term Nightmare of the Daleks is very appropriate as it does involve people in their dreams and asleep. But there is a rather nice twist, which I'm not going to spoil because I'm not quite sure if you've reached that part yet. But I really enjoyed it. I think there's there's a real relish when, when Daleks are in stories. You can tell that the cast absolutely enjoy the fact that they know that they're there. And, and just hearing that voice from Nick Briggs, it really does send a shiver down the spine. When people say that in studio, it's, it has an incredible effect, even more so when you're so close and I'd imagine that there's quite a lot of reverberations in the recording booths from the way that Nick gets so, get, puts all that energy into it and uh, finding all that inner hatred and disgust for humanity. That's the Daleks, not Nick, I should point out. <laughs> and I think it's a wonderful script, very, very clever. And of course, it's his Mark's last story, but I think that's quite well known. So that's not particularly a spoiler, but I won't say anything about the manner of his departure. Yeah, it does. It does have a unique ending to the story. <clears throat> it's not quite as black and white as uh, you might expect. And um, it, someone described this as like Nightmare on Elm Street with the Daleks featuring the Daleks instead of Freddy, you know. So and, and the Daleks do seem much more traditional. You mentioned Nick Briggs as Daleks uh, in Time Lord Victorious in particular and um, Dalek universe as well. We've had different Dalek voices in there too. He he puts these different inflections, different personalities into the voices. Where in this one we got much more traditional, really blast your eardrums out Daleks. Um, which uh, if you if you're a fan of those, we go right back there. So, uh, Philip. Yeah, I mean, I can understand why people. I mean, I'm not edit watched in the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I don't watch horror films. I get too scared. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, so in my head, it was more Matrixy. Um, so yeah, I was, I was still thinking in terms of Matrix for this. Uh, no, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I thought, I thought once again, it's, it's a clever way to bring in Daleks and a clever way to keep our controlled cast, which I guess you, you've got to always be looking at how, how big a cast you can actually manage, uh, both in terms of giving them enough attention to do, but also um, not making a story seem too small. So it, it has that scale to it while still being quite contained. Um, and I'm looking forward to the last 15 minutes later tonight when I get off this thing. Yay! <laughs> we better not keep you. Um, overall, these uh, these two sets that we've talked about tonight um, have been... Uh, it's been a bit of a quiet month, I suppose, in, in terms of Big Finish. They haven't released as many releases in September as they normally do, but the uh, the quality has not dipped either. Any final thoughts on these two that you wanted to mention? Anything we've forgotten? Anything you've forgotten to, to mention? Speak now great. or forever hold your peace. I think we've been pretty thorough. <laughs> More thorough than I expected to be. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I know I've, I've say I really enjoyed both races. I mean, I think that you've got... The wonderful thing is that you've, they've been produced by different teams. So you've got David Richardson as producer with the 11 set. 
whereas you've got Scott Hancock producing the Fifth Doctor set. And that, by having that different producer, it does give it a different feel as they commission scripts that they want in very different styles. And that's the beauty of Doctor Who in so many ways. You've got so many different stories and told in so many different ways, with different tones, different casts. And I just love it. I'm just so pleased that I'm able to do my wee bit on the, the fringes and bring people the stories, the stories behind the stories and how these audios come about with Vortex. Absolutely love it. I genuinely had a real thrill listening to these because I hadn't actually planned to do Lost Resort this week. I planned to keep that for next week. But when you mentioned it, I thought, okay, better do it. Got to be professional and don't want to let anyone down. And my God, I'm so glad I did. Brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. There was one name that stood out to me because I haven't seen his name around for a little while. And when I saw AK Benedict's name, I thought, oh, it made me think of Guy Adams. And then when I saw that he'd script edited uh, the the Lost Resort, he hadn't he didn't script edit the other two, but he did these ones. Um, do you know is, is he is he not doing so much for Big Finish anymore, Kenny? I know that he's very busy working on some projects at the moment, and which are very exciting because we did chat about it last time I spoke. But yes, Guy is somebody who's always busy, and you've got to remember he does more than Big Finish stuff. He's got I think he does comic books as well and on top of that he's also uh, himself and Alexandra have got their little one Verity who's keeping them busy so yes it's all all good fun in the Adams Benedict household. Oh, very good all right I know you won't want to Philip but let's let's give a couple of recommendations because I've got some that I really, wanna, really? that I really want to talk about. Um, so uh, let me just see whose turn it is. Hang on. I'll just check my notes here. Philip, guess what? It's your turn. It's what have you got turn. to recommend for us? Okay. So I'm going to recommend something a bit off center again. Um, just not, I'm not really, ABBA? Uh, not ABBA, but it's going to be almost <laughs> as bizarre as ABBA. As, as I, did, I did ABBA last time because of the new album coming out, Kenny. And I'm very excited about ABBA. And there's something else coming out, which I'm, well, has just come out, been released. And I can't get to see it yet, but hopefully soon. Uh, I'm going to recommend the new musical by Andrew Lloyd Webber uh, called Cinderella. Um, you might know the story Cinderella. It's a fairly famous. And as Kenny's already mentioned, Chicago, which is an amazing show. Last, I last saw that on Broadway two years ago. Um, but Andrew Lloyd Webber's just brought out his latest musical, which is a, a readaption of Cinderella. The music is spectacular. He spent years working on this. And, of course, it was about due to open before COVID hit and couldn't open um, so he's able to do some more work on it, but they've done the album that's been released. So for those of you who love musicals and love fairy tales, um, there's some really clever songs that are really well done. And I'm just hanging out to get over to the UK and get to the West End and be able to see this. And I'm hoping it won't be too much longer. We've, yeah, we've hit 80% first vaccinations in New South Wales. Yay. Um, but yeah, it's been too long since I've been over there. And that's one of the shows I want to come and see. Excellent. What about you, Kenny? Have you got anything you can recommend for us that you've been listening to? Yeah, I've um, recently I've been getting back out and doing some more walks. And in between listening to big Finnish things, I've been decided, no, I need to listen to some more music. And I've gone back to my favourite group, Pet Shop Boys. I have been, I absolutely love Pet Shop Boys. And I've gone back to the album Yes 
which has got two fantastic tracks on it for walking, which give me a really good beat to go, Love Etc. and Pandemonium. So they're two fantastic tracks. If you're out for a good walk, want to get your heart rate up, they're the ones that work for me. But yes, Pitcher Boys, very album is great. I've also been reading a book that I got for my birthday called Smile If You Dare, which is looking at the politics to go with the Pet Shop Boys album, Very, from 1993. So, yes, I would definitely recommend get some synth pop on with a touch of irony. <laughs> cool. Dwayne, what have you been listening to? Well, since we spoke with Rob Valentine, um, and he's been involved with a, a company called the Wireless Theatre Company, I found myself subscribed to their newsletter after speaking with him. I thought I'll keep up to date with what they're doing. And recently I got a notification in that, that they have released uh, a couple of thrillers. They were recorded in 2019. Let me see if I can bring it up here. Uh, a series of thrillers called Skin. So there's Skin 1, 2 and 3. I don't know if you've heard of these, Kenny, but uh, they star an actress called Samantha Boffin. And I've I cannot believe she has not been used in Big Finish. She is absolutely incredible. And Skin is uh, the first the first in the series of three audio plays. This one goes for just over an hour. It is a monologue of a serial killer. She is a serial killer. And she's delivering the whole play as a monologue while she is uh, killing the, her, her one of her victims. And she's talking about it the whole way. It is absolutely enthralling. Philip, I know you're going to have a giggle about that because you love my dark and macabre sense of uh, entertainment. Um, the second play is called Skin 2, The Session, where she is later on going and talking with a psychiatrist. So it's a two-hander. That one goes for 90 minutes. And these are all free from the Wireless Theatre Company. So check that out, wirelesstheatrecompany.co.uk. Uh, Skin 3 is called The Final Incision where she goes and has uh, a, a, another two-hander, but this time with her dying mother, uh, who's in a nursing home, who uh, has a few secrets of her own as well. So uh, absolutely fascinating trio of stories. I recommend you check them out. Wireless Theatre Company, Skin, 1, 2, and 3. Written it down. There we go. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely worth And if you know anyone who's looking for... For, for someone in a big finish play, Samantha Boffin, you've got to, got to get her in. She's incredible. Um, don't know, I don't know much about her other than the fact that in these, she just blew my mind. Uh, so give them a listen and you might feel the same. Um, that'll do us for today. Thank you so much, Kenny, for, for coming on and joining us to talk about this. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. Where can we find Absolutely. your podcast if we want to follow you? Well, you can find my own personal Twitter is at finished zine f n i. God, I can spell. I can't spell it. F f i n i s h e d z i n e. You can find pieces of eight at on Twitter as well. That's eight written out in full. And there's also the power of three, which is power of three pod. Beautiful. And if you do a Google search and find, if you type in eighth doctor pieces of eight you should be able to find it or any other search engine which you may choose to use. You will find it. I've done it myself that way. Yay! <laughs> very good. Uh, thank you very much, Philip. Appreciate you coming on too. Returning. It's been my pleasure as always. <laughs> All right. Till next time. Take care. Thanks for having me back. Cheers. This has been the Sirens of Audio episode 77 with special guests Kenny Smith and your hosts Philip Edney and Dwayne Bunny. 
Theme music by the Jackpot Golden Boys. Email address is sirensofaudio at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and your favourite podcast app. Find links to all our socials and other info at sirensofaudio.com. And if you find yourself in two minds or unable to get away to any resort, lost or otherwise, remember that audio drama can take you anywhere without moving a muscle. Because audio drama... Raw!